After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Milbury's clubs are again off for his next chapter as a radio host, talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. Brought to you by Ketchis Law. Since 1986, they have had the backs of every hardworking tradesman in New England who finds themselves injured on the worksite. You pay nothing unless they win. So get your free consultation today at catcheslaw.com or by calling 508-321-7000. My guest tonight, Matt Porter, who's been covering the Bruins all season long and for a while now. Um, Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. All right. Hey, listen, I've asked... Everybody that's been on this program and that's been running since, you know, last fall. So we've had maybe 20, 25 guests. And I, the question I asked, and they all give me the same answer. So I don't know why I'm asking it. But I want to know from you, from the horse's mouth, did you see this brewing season coming? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was every reason to doubt that they would be anything but a bubble team until all the guys got healthy, right? Yeah, I mean, that was... You know, I think I think in June, certainly nobody saw this coming. Right. I mean, in June, you're thinking, I don't know what Pavel Zaka is going to look like as a number one center. If that's the route they go, unless they go trade for a, a Dylan Larkin or somebody like that. And then Bergeron and Krejci come back and you're starting to see, OK, well, if Krejci can play or if Bergeron, you know, unless his game goes south, you know, he's going to be 37. Uh, you're thinking, OK, well, you know, maybe they'll be all right. And then thinking about the surgeries you're saying, oh, they just got to tread water until midseason, and then maybe they'll get rolling. But you look, you know, every time you looked up, they were they had won ten of their last eleven games. It was just the most remarkable thing. Oh, and like waiting for them to hit a dip. It must have been a ton of fun, though, right? It was because there's just, and I think it a lot of it comes from Montgomery, the confidence that 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 he had in everybody. You know, the way that guys, it's almost like they didn't have to prove themselves. It's like he, it's like guys were just good with him right off the bat. You know, he saw the best in their games. He's been positive with them all year. And it just seems like, you know, right guy, right message, right time. And then you had a bunch of guys get healthy and have career years. I'm thinking of guys like Frederick and Clifton and Zaka and Coyle. And then guys like Felino get healthy. It just all came together for them. And, yeah, you know, so even when they're trying to rest guys. Did you? Have you gotten to know Montgomery? Is he just what he seems he is? He seems like the same guy every day. I might have called him Mr. Rogers, you know, just <laughs> like he just a big smile. And they lose a wild game like way back in the fall to Ottawa. I think it was 7-6 or something. And it was just, so oh, that's hockey. And he moves on. Is that the way, is my read appropriate? Yeah, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood with him, right? And And it should be, right? He's he's been through it the last few years. He was people ask me about my relationship with him and and I think it's great. I think he would probably say we have a good working relationship like but it was a little bit stiff at the start because, you know, he's coming off that situation in Dallas and he knows that everybody's going to be writing about it, asking him about it, talking about it and I think he was a little guarded, but really since then, you know, that first month of the summer, he's been great. He loves to Loves to chirp, loves to give it to you, and and you know he's made fun of uh, a sweater that I'll wear, and you know I, I like to give it to him as well, and it just fits in. It's a it's a team with Brad Marchand, right? It's a team with you know guys that have been around and and like each other and and uh, like spending time with each other. So I, yeah, I think it's I mean great. if you needed some confidence, I guess having a, the best record in NHL history would give it to you, right? Yeah, it's and they just. But they've built that brick by brick, right? And and the game you mentioned in Ottawa, I mean, that was a game that was just turnovers and back and forth. And, 
you know, missed passes and all that. And they just said, okay, we've seen what Ottawa can do. If we give them some rope, let's next time we play them, let's tighten that up. And they did it with every opponent. Obviously Florida's played them tough in the regular season. Florida hasn't played them as tough, even though they're really, you can tell giving it everything that they have. Um, and, and they've, they've done such a good job of just figuring it out along the way. And obviously the results are in the 65 wins. The, uh, so that season's in the books, and the real one is now unfolding. Coming into this series against Florida, what was your projection? Did you think it was going to be difficult? Did you think it was going to be a sweep? Did, what were you thinking? Well, the reason why I had some pause is because you've seen it, Mike, in the playoffs. If you have a hot goaltender, then your whole outlook changes. If you have a guy that just isn't allowing bad goals, is is dragging you to the playoffs as Alex Lyon did for Florida going six and one down the stretch or six Oh and one, um, you know, that changes your outlook. And, and so it gave me a little bit of pause. I was thinking about Sasha Barkov. Can he raise his game? Matthew Kachuk, hundred point player makes everybody mad that he plays against, you know, how, what effect can he have on the series? So that said, I mean, it's still a dominant team that they're going up against. So I was thinking Bruins in five, I was thinking right. that Florida was a game. But and, even after game game one, was it was a lucky break for them to win. Allmark was good. Yep. And yet they they put the points in the bank. Game two, not so good. And Florida was by far the better team, I think, for most of that game. So at that point, did you have concerns? I didn't because I've seen them do it all year. Where. They take, a, they take their lumps and then they figure it out. I, I assumed that Montgomery was going to do that just strategically, the way he attacks, the way when they're playing cohesively. Nobody that I've seen in – I don't even know where you'd have to go back to moves the puck like they do when they're all working as a unit. It's so quick out of the D zone. It's so quick into the O zone. Um, it's possession. It's heavy hockey. I just assumed that they would get to that level like – I think that they're right. They were saying after games one and two, that was a C plus game from us. And I could see it because I've seen their A plus game. I've seen their B plus game where they still, you know, can take it to teams. I just didn't think Florida's depth would allow them to stay in this series. And I still believe that, especially if their captain, Sasha Barkov, isn't, hasn't shown up yet. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned Alex Lyons having that great finish, but Omar, Linus Omar played incredibly all year long. I mean, he had a little hiccup in, game two but still he looks uncomfortable now at times the regular season was just sort of a block of granite that moved laterally and faced the shot but I think it was the second goal in the last game when he went to his left and kind of split his legs open was really slow to get up and then they had and then he moved to the right finally got up and in position made one stop and then they put in the rebound but he, he looked like he was a he looked like he was my age trying to get up off the ice at that point. I, I mean, have you got concerns about his health? I think you have to be concerned. I mean, Patrice, you know, as well, Patrice Bergeron hasn't played in this series. David Krejci is going to miss another game tonight. Uh, you know, the the concern level is obviously lessened just because of what Swayman can do if given the ball. I mean, it's he's a, a statistically a top five goalie this year. I'd probably, you know, if we're talking about all things considered, uh, he's probably at least a top 15 goalie, if not higher, um, with the way that he's been able to settle in and play as, as all marks, you know, not quite backup, but, you know, we'll call him 1B. 
Um, did you think they were going to? They were one two all season long. Did you think? Did you think that it was the right call to give him the reins, Hallmark? Yeah, because he only had. I mean, it was what 46, 47 games. I think forty seven. Yeah. Yeah. So it not not too taxing. I mean, goalies just don't go sixty games anymore unless you're, uh, I guess Connor Hellebuck or UC Saros. Um, you know, there just aren't too many of those netminers anymore. You know, I'm I'm a little bit surprised and we've been asking Montgomery you know you're gonna get Swayman some work here and and he said no you know we're gonna we're gonna go with all marks so that leaves the impression anyway that in an early first round series they're not that concerned about all marks injury but obviously wear and tear tweak something here and there that could be you know problematic um when all mark is at the top of his game you know there's only a couple goalies that you'd probably take in the league right now um but again they do have Swayman coming in if Allmark, you know, is on the shelf. Well, it begs the question. I know I'm getting ahead of myself here when I ask this. Uh, you're Jeremy Swayman. You've had a, a little stumble out of the gate, but had an outstanding season. Market value has to be extraordinarily high. He can't. It, it, I'm sure he's a. Everybody tells me he's a great kid. Um, so he's handling the sitting as well as anybody can. But I can't, for the life of me, think that he's going to be happy being a rotational goalie who sits for the entire playoffs going forward. I mean, is can they, I guess my question then is, are we going to see this one to tandem again? Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought because Swayman is a restricted free agent coming up here, and based on the numbers, based on potential, based on the other contracts that have been signed in his goalie age group, Jake Ottinger, Spencer Knight, um, you know, two goalies on different, uh, you know, planes right now, Knight being in the player assistance program and Ottinger looking like he's going to dominate this series for the stars against the wild. You know, those guys are 4 million, 4.5 million a year. You'd expect that Swayman gets that because it's market value, but if he's not playing in the playoffs, does he, you know? And, yeah. And, and they're, and they're, they're, as you know, I mean, they're going to get whacked with a bonus, uh, penalty and they have you know lots of guys that they'd like to resign and they're they're going to be way over that somebody's got to go right not that yep. Swayman at this point is hurting their cap but if he comes up for you know renegotiation and he's looking for that kind of number it's a stumbling block for the Bruins and and I, I got to think he he at the end of this year has to have a long hard talk with Don Sweeney about his future in Boston because what what is Allmark 28 uh, want to say he's 28. Yes. That, that yeah. So he's got another six, seven years ahead of him as a number one goalie. And, and Swayman at his age is not going to want to wait that long to get the mantle. Yeah. And then Swayman obviously wants to be a number one as any goalie would. And it, it makes you wonder, you know, when the rubber hits the road, how is this, you know, how good is this relationship, right? Are they, are they going to be happy hugging it out for another 82 games? If they, <laughs> They know that Linus is going to be the playoff guy. Um, there's, you know, you mentioned it. It's, it's, there's going to be some really tough decisions, you know, coming up. I, I've been working on a, a feature story on Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, just kind of who is this guy? What's his backstory? And in speaking with his agent, you know, he would love to stay here in Boston. He loves it here. It's a, it's a, a franchise that is desirable to a, a ton of players, Garnet Hathaway and Dimitri Orloff included, but, you know, can you really keep Tyler Bertuzzi as good as he looks? You know, can you do you trade a I'm not saying they're going to trade a Jeremy Swayman, but do you think about it? Because, hey, 
here's a really good goalie and you could get back, you know, something that that helps you financially or roster wise um, to fill some holes elsewhere. It's a it's a fascinating thing. I mean, Don Sweeney's his hit rate this year, Mitchell Miller aside, has been like 99 percent. Right. He's yeah. pretty, everything he's touched is turning gold. So. Well, give him benefit yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, he's he's been so good, and I won't get to that in a minute. But I wanted to flip to the other side of the goaltending question. It's got to be Bobrovsky tonight, right? I would think. I would think. I, I, I mean, talking about goalies being disgruntled. I mean, imagine Sergei Bobrovsky in games one and two. You're sitting there. You've had playoff success. You've been a two-time Vezina winner. You've gone on a run with Columbus, where you upset Tampa. Um, you know, in that in that in that incredible series for the Blue Jackets a few years ago. What are you thinking when you're seeing Alex Lyon waving his glove around like it's a slice of Swiss cheese? Uh, you know, I would imagine that it's Bob tonight. I, you know, Lyon's a great story and a, and a great guy. Just chatting with him, you know, I've never seen a goalie with a better attitude on a game day than Alex Lyon. But um, I think it's got to be Bob tonight. Yeah, he's he's got just he's a journeyman. He, there's a reason why he hasn't made it to this level. Until now, and that was my biggest question mark after watching him, as you mentioned, his glove hand not being efficient at all. They almost have to hope that Bobrovsky can somehow regain the form that one of those two Vezinas. But moving on to the Bruins' defense, um, I wouldn't have guessed that a number one defenseman would lead your team in hits in the playoffs. But Charlie Mm -hmm. McAvoy has been... <clears throat> he's been a Mack truck running people over. And I guess my question is, I mean, some of the hits have been spectacular. Yeah. Is this, I mean, and, and timely too, like to start a game, to make a statement, but is this worrisome to you at all? That, that this is your number one defenseman and he's trying to make like Teddy green or something. I mean, it's <laughs> just, it's just seems like you would want to use him. You know, he's got to hit people at times, but to see him looking for trouble like this gives me a little pause, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, I see it, you know, especially given the amount of minutes that he plays. However, I I think it's McAvoy saying, I'm the lead dog. You know, I mean, Hampus Lindholm had a great year. He's going to get Norris votes. I gave him one down ballot, Um, you know, just based on what he was able to do this year in all three zones and with McAvoy out, that was a big part of their start and their momentum, you know, that season, you got to recognize that, but McAvoy is saying, this is, this is how number 73 plays in the playoffs. You know, it's, it's like you said, tone setting, uh, getting out in front of it, you know, taking the physicality to other teams. I mean, if, if you look at, uh, you know, at five on five, I mean, it's in the NHL, I'm just looking it up here. It's Evander Kane. 25 hits, Ryan Pollock and Noel Achari, who everybody knows bangs anybody that's, that's, you know, in front of them, 24 hits, Charlie McAvoy's next second leading, def- uh, hitting defenseman in the, in the, in the playoffs. He's ahead of guys like Clutterbuck, Zach Hyman, Luke Shen. So he's definitely mixing it up. I think part of it is, I'm not sure who else on the back end is going to really do that. Connor Clifton obviously is willing to throw his body around, but he hasn't been playing. Matt Grizzlick's not going to do it. You know, Hampus Lindholm, not really his game, Forbert, et cetera, uh, Carlo. So I, I think he takes that on and he can do it. He's big, he's rugged, he's physical, he's, he's in great health, he's young. You know, so it's like if he's going to he's gonna play that role, I think you're okay. Obviously, hindsight, if he gets hurt, you know, you're, you're going to say, gosh, I wish he you know, was involved in a few less of those collisions. But, um, boy, it, it's just what a, what a lift it is, you know, to see him just – 
deck somebody off the face off like he did with Lowe Sterein in a couple of games ago, just really set the tone and say, we're here to play Bruins hockey and, uh, you know, get them going that way. Well, you know what? I, I wouldn't have it any other way myself. I, I mean, sure. I love it. I love watching it. It just gives me concern. You mentioned yeah. Lindholm. I was, you know, he hasn't had a ton of playoff experience. How, how do you assess his performance through the first four games? Yeah, early on, right, he, with the Ducks, he had that that run when he was young coming right. in. Now, different stage of his career. I, I think he's been good. Um steady I would say on that pair with Carlo I think I think Montgomery really likes that pair um two big long guys that they're hard to hard to enter the zone against you know I, I've seen I've seen Lindholm just make his plays that he, he just has made all year where it's just one guy on his hip shield the puck wheel the net all of a sudden you know they're out of the zone one man breakout I, I don't know that there's a better um outlet passer in the game right now I mean Thank he you. just he's a, he is he seems to be able to just turn and wheel and then he scans the ice surface and almost inevitably seems to make an accurate and, and safe decision. Yeah. Beats one guy with his legs and beats another guy with his vision. And then all of a sudden they have, you know, at least entering the zone, they have an advantage and it's, he's been doing it all year. And again, that's why I put him on my Norris ballot. Just, yeah, just I for, mean, what the, a luxury. The totals aren't there, but that, that ability to control the game from the back end, and and what a luxury to have McAvoy now Lindholm on the second pair, you know McAvoy number one pair, Lindholm second pair, and Dimitri Orlov on the third pair. Guy well, <laughs> that Similar. just I mean I don't know how you I don't even want to compare Lindholm to McAvoy because I consider them both to be at this point number one defensemen. Agreed. But but Orlov, who I I really liked playing in Washington all of a sudden seems to be the budding rose here in Boston, especially offensively. I mean, this guy is, he's on the four check. He's, he's the pass he made to who would the tap in DeBrusque the other night. Yes. You know, the great pass from Hall to the Orlov and an even better pass from Orlov to DeBrusque. And he taps it into an, an empty net, but he's other than that silly turnover he had in one of the earlier games, he's been the same player that he's been all season long and um, a bit of a, pit bull and i hate to be going down the money walk with you again but i don't know how they re-signed this guy i, I mean know. he's already making good money but the way people are watching him now it's almost like there's no way they can match what somebody else is going to put on the table for a guy like this he's been i think he's been you know don sweeney made a bunch of good deals but th this one ranks as high as anything he's done yeah and, and you know i think a lot of people were saying you know hathaway hell oh boy he looks like a perfect Bruin. You know, when he was playing in Washington, I thought the same about Dmitry Orlov. He's nasty. He's got an edge. I mean, you remember the hit on Kevin Miller that he threw. Like, he can step over the line, you know, certainly get on the wrong side of it. Um, that hit to Miller that basically ended Miller's career, you know, was too high. I think that, you know, um, you know, pissed a lot of people off around uh, around here. But um, the vision is something I didn't necessarily knew. I, I knew he had good legs getting the puck out and, and you know, could make that good first pass. But like uh, the plays that you mentioned and also the way he sprung Pasternak for, for that breakaway, just you right. know, from his own face-off circle and he just gets it in the air, you know, past a bunch of guys and it's right on Pasternak's tape. Um, you know, he, he's a, he's an all around guy. I mean, he's got the same kind of stocky. I'm not comparing him to Bork. I'm not qualified to do right. that. He does look like a fire hydrant, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, he's got that, you know, it's like five eleven, two fifteen. 215. He's just solid as a rock. And, um, 
you know, he, he's, he's a, for him being, a, I think I see him as a mercenary for this team, right? I, somebody, like you mentioned, somebody's going to give him six times six this year. And I don't necessarily think it should be the Bruins given his age alone. Uh, but if he How can old make, is he now? He's early thirties. He's still got he's some 32. time. Yeah. I think he's 32, but you know, contracts, uh, you know, the, the cap uh, as tight as they are to the cap every year, you know, maybe that's not the most efficient way to go, but if they can find a landing spot for him, boy, what a luxury that would have to have him back. Oh, boy, I'd, I'd love to see it because I love the way he plays. But, you know, we always everybody's always talking about the top three, but and I hate to call him the back end of the back end, but there's some other pretty good players now. I think Brandon Carlos really matured as a player. I mean, I've been waiting for it to come for a long time, whether it's the Montgomery impact or whatever. He's making good decisions, good outlook pass. He's stayed healthy most of the time. He's been, you know, he's not going to be Godzilla, but he's been a bit more physical. Um, you know, he's a he's a second pairing defenseman on any team now, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. He's been physical in the way that he needs to be physical, which is to say, you're bringing the puck against me. Here's my stick, and here's if you get close enough, here's the body, and and you're not going anywhere. The puck's going that way. You know, you're staying here. So uh, for him to do that and clearing bodies out of the net, I mean, you don't see the cross checks like you used to, right? And he he's not he's not that guy. There aren't too many of those guys that that do play that style in front of the net anymore. But he is getting and, and most of the time they're in the penalty box if they play that way, right? Right, and they're you know, and and that's saving a lot of guys' backs, um, which is you know, which is great for for them, but. You know, he, he, Carlo is doing what he has to do to win battles in the corners in front, and you're just waiting to see it because the guy's six five, you know, two fifteen, and he should be doing that. Um, what makes Derek Forbert such a great penalty killer? I mean, I love to have Clifton on the ice because I'm, you know, the little guy that thinks he can, you know, the little engine that just keeps on chugging. He's he's yeah. fun to have or out, out there, but but you can't deny Forbert's effectiveness on the penalty kill. Why is he so good at it? Uh, length, strength, anticipation. It, it's, you know, willingness. I, I think that's that's a lot of it, too. I mean, nobody eats more pucks than he does. He's been in and out of the lineup all year because of it. Um, it it's, it's just chance suppression. And he, he gets out there like Carlo. You know, great left-right pair. Um, you know, long sticks, quick sticks. They just kill chances before and then being decisive to make it clear, right? That's part of it too. Getting the puck out. You don't see too many, too many muffs from them. Um, you know, just a, another weapon, you know, a guy at six, four that you can have there and Lindholm too, same size. Um, it's, it's pretty impressive. I like watching Clifton too, by the way, and he's a very effective penalty killer, um, you know, based on his skating and, you know, his, his willingness to engage. Uh, but yeah, nobody better than forward. And, if if you if he's not in the lineup, you know, then you bring in a Clifton or you bring in a Matt Grizzly. So they're they're pretty much they're pretty blessed on the back end. For yeah, sure. they, they're blessed all over the place. Um, but the story today sounds like, and not the story hasn't been written finally is Patrice Bergeron. And you know, I I was questioning why he was playing in Montreal, but he he, he mentioned it in an interview that he was told by the coach that he wanted everybody in the lineup that could play in the last two games to be ready. I yeah. thought it might've been a sort of old Lang Syne kind of game where he was just going to say goodbye to the Montreal fans, knowing that he'd never played there again. But um, given all that and when, without knowing what the problem is, 
given the fact that they're up three to one, is it a good idea to put them in a lineup tonight? It's a great question because if you're trying, you, you always want to step on a team, right? When you have them down, you always sure. want to, you do not want to give any team life, no matter if they're the, the 16th seed or the, or the number two seed. Right. So you want Bergeron in your lineup, but that being said, things are going to get chippy. They're going to get nasty. You know, nobody, people respect Bergeron. He, he might be the most respected player in the league, you know, outside of us, even more than a Sidney Crosby, right? He might be number one as far as opponent respect, but not in a closeout game, not from a guy like Matt Kachuk or oh, Ryan yeah. Berg or who doesn't respect anybody to Chuck. And I no. have to admire them about, admire him about that. But, but yeah, I, I, I guess yesterday he was practicing with, uh, Bertuzzi and Postanoc. Now, I don't know if that was just a smoke screen and Montgomery was trying some things out, but um, I would expect if he is in the lineup to be, be back with DeBrusque and Marshan, wouldn't you? I would. I would. And and Mon- Montgomery admitted as much. He said, I was just looking at it at, at some lines. He he had Marshan with Coyle and Felino. you know, wanted to see what that line would be all about. Um, it's You could certainly make in-game switches, um, but that's basically – his idea of saying, you know, don't look at me like I'm crazy if I say, all right, Bertuzzi, Bergeron, Pasternak, you know, we want to see, you you know, you take a couple turns here in the second period. Uh, Things are going slowly. But to the Bergeron question, you know, I get the sense that it's something like a groin, something kind of middle body that it's it's only going to get worse the more he plays. So they're trying to save as many bullets as they can. I don't know that it's a groin, but Given the tea, reading the tea leaves, it's something that he's dealt with before. They've said it's upper body. Um, I guess you could consider that middle body. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know if the groin is upper body, but I do. Yeah. Who knows? But he, he clearly yeah. looked laboring in the sessions that I saw. I guess he got better, but I, I would second guess it given this. But I, I you know, he's Patrice Bergeron at this point. He's earned the right to call a shot if he thinks he's healthy. Yes, and and that's what he did in Montreal as well. I think he pretty much had the final call in that one. He wanted to play. He had rested uh, four of the previous eight games. So he feels like, you know, he got his rest in, he was ready to go. Um, having his parents, his brother there in, in Quebec was big. And, and, you know, just the, I mean, even, even Kent Hughes during the game, the Bergeron clan was in a luxury box and Kent Hughes, who's Montreal's GM now, formerly Bergeron's agent before he took that post was in there with a champagne glass in his hand. So it was a, it was a celebratory thing. Um, he only played a period, so it sounds like it's a, if it's a celebratory thing, it sounds like he's made his decision on next year, doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. I think if they win, right? I think that's a very easy decision to make. But you look at the player. I mean, he's top three in, in the Bruins. You know, among their forwards. I mean, he's not their best anymore, but he's certainly. I mean, I wouldn't put him behind too many people and. He's an elite defensive forward. He's going to cruise to the Selkie Trophy again, and rightfully so. He's been fantastic. There's still a lot of a lot of game left, a lot of meat on that bone. So I don't know. It's uh, again, though, 19 years in the league. Uh, maybe he has yeah. made up his mind. Speaking of trophies, it sounds looks like Brad Marchand is trying to win the postseason Lady Bing Award. What's up with that? I miss the irritating little son of a gun. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's. He, he, he's definitely, he definitely gets into it. You know, he's the same personality um, off the ice anyway, but uh, I give him credit. It can't be easy when, you know, Makachuk's running around there and, and all the things that Radko Gudis likes to do between the whistles and afterward. Uh, 
uh, for him to be able to skate away and find that maturity, not the most fun, not the most exciting, uh, but definitely effective for a team that's missing, you know, Bergeron, Krejci. Yeah. And yeah. for him to yeah. be uh, out of the lineup because of something stupid as well would uh, not be the best situation for them. So I give him We talked about Olmark and the goaltending, but we didn't talk about his like little tussle with Tuchuk. That was a change of, I, I mean, I, he seems sort of a, I don't want to say docile, but he seems like a composed, co- collected kind of a guy. I get, and but if anybody can get you to, to push your buttons, it's probably to Chuck. But it, it, it was fun to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I, I want to, I want to say it. I talked to Olmark uh, back in Minnesota toward the end of the season. Uh, you know, after that game, and um, you know, he was, he was hanging out chatting and and we were talking about the flurry uh bennington fight you know that wasn't um the two goalies and you could tell he if it came to it you know he'd be ready even though he was saying that you know actually actually have my blocker and glove tied on so i I, it might be tough to take him off um but he seemed like he got him off pretty quick when when kachuk was (laughs) he did It it was uh it was fun to watch um also fun to watch has been jake debrusque was his relationship with Cassidy that toxic that this was what it took for him to get to be what now is a bona fide NHL star right yeah I mean it's it's the power of positivity I think when it comes to Jake DeBrusque you know and and Montgomery actually spoke about it at length today um we were asking him about his coaching style and kind of get him getting him to unpack it a little bit and he was saying you know I, I don't NHL players know when they've messed up. When you're at that level, you know when you when you messed up a back check. You know when you when you screwed up an offensive play. He would so much rather Montgomery would so much rather come over and give you a fist pound, or you know, pat you on the back for hey, great back check, love the shot block, great goal, because because that goes a lot further than what were you thinking on that? You know, what why did you do that? So I think with DeBrusque, you know, not that Cassidy was relentlessly negative, but certainly more negative than Montgomery is. And it just, it's worked for him. It's worked for Trent Frederick. And I think the other thing is too, and Frederick has spoken about this, is just clear communication of what the expectation is. With Frederick, at the end of last season, he didn't know if he was supposed to be an agitator. Was he supposed to be a third line center? Was he a wing? He just, he didn't know. He was trying to go play his game and, and do the best he could, but he always seemed to be screwing up. And this year, I mean, Frederick, Frederick he connects with Montgomery in the offseason, knows exactly what his role is going to be. He wants you as a third-line winger, you know, hoping that Coyle can drive that line. We got Taylor Hall there as well. So that's what you do. Focus on that. Be the best of that you can. And we saw it all season. He had a career year, um, almost a 20-goal scorer. Did he finish with 20? I'm not even sure. But I think he had 17. That was my last count that I saw. But it was a hell of a year pretty good for a guy that you just you didn't know if the offense was going to arrive at the nhl level as it did in college. yeah he's down on the depth chart too he's not eating up big big minutes nope. he's gonna no power have play to do it him. yeah exactly yeah. um so i i think that you know cassie was a good coach montgomery's a better one for this team i think that's pretty well said um another notable problem for the bruins um david Krejci out again today uh, I have talked to some people who have kind of sheepishly suggested that perhaps that's not a bad thing, that he is, slows down the pace of what is a great puck-moving, puck-possession team when they get it, and 
his legs aren't what they used to be. They were never top end, but you know, no. he's also led the postseason, I think, twice in playoff production. So he's not all bad, but I just kind of like to get your quick thought on that. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. He hasn't been up to his level um this postseason and you know, maybe some you know, maybe some rest to to fix what has been ailing him um, will be a good thing. Maybe the, you know, we'll see a new David Krejci or the old David Krejci when he does come back. But I think, you know, the results certainly haven't been there that uh, that line has been, you know, outshot and, you know, the scoring chances haven't gone their way when they've been on the ice with, with Krejci in the middle. And it's just looks different with Zaka uh, Bertuzzi, Zaka Pasternak. If you want to go that combo, that looks really good. Um, you know, uh, Hall, um with uh tell me about taylor hall how does this guy mvp now sits on the third line gets second unit power play time is he really that okay with it he seems to be okay a stupendous night the other night i mean the plays that he made the goal that he scored was a thing of beauty uh the the pass that he made to orlov penetrating through the slot and then dishing it at the right time this was a hell of a game for him but he sometimes must go back to the hotel room and say I'm on the third line. Does it, is he really okay with all this? If you take him at his word, he is, uh, he's been saying it all along. He wanted to be part of, I mean, I mean, it's really rare that you hear, uh, an NHL player or really any pro athlete admit something like this, but in his introductory press conference with us, it was back on zoom back then. But, uh, you know, he was saying that I Basically, I don't want to be the guy on a team anymore. I want to be part of the mix. I want to be one of the guys. And for him to say that, I thought for a former MVP, number one overall pick, franchise player, you know, anointed the franchise player in Edmonton way back in the day. Um, you know, that's that's a bit surprising. But he has been exactly that here in Boston. He's been a complimentary player and using his speed to, you know, to to bring the puck into the zone and and use his playmaking touch to make plays. I think the big the big tell of when Taylor Hall is on is if he's finishing, you know, because there's been yeah a lot of trouble with that over the past few years. He had that lost season in Buffalo where he shot like two percent um, on his chances. So for him to go in on Bobrovsky on a breakaway and just deke him out of his skates, I mean, that was a big sign for me. I think he's playing fantastic hockey, and and if he really if that really is his attitude, then it, it does look like it on the ice because he's making the most of the minutes that he's got. Yeah, he's you know. Being on the third line and not being the guy gives him probably more opportunity. But um, he's taking especially against certainly, his yeah, I, right. That's right. They don't they can't match up three sets of good defensemen against him, so he's going to get his his opportunities. But speaking of having trouble finishing, um, one of my favorite players on the team in his right role is Charlie Coyle. I think he's the top third line center in hockey, but he. He stepped it up in game three, playing with Marchand, scored a goal, but he's he's minus one and one point in the four games so far. What keeps him from being a top six forward? Or can he be, in your opinion? I, I they they teased him with it last a year ago in the fall and it didn't work out. And he seems but he seems incredibly comfortable and he's very effective at what he's doing. But is this it? It's a good question. Like he's he had a really good year this year. Uh, production-wise, for being a third-line guy, and you know, s- matching some of his best numbers when he was like 24, you know, 25 in Minnesota, he's a little bit older than that now, obviously. 
Um, I don't know that he's a top six center. I, I, like you mentioned, I think he's perfectly cast in his role right now where he's just dominates third line centers. If that's who he's matched up against, but they have asked him to play on Barkov quite a bit. Um, you know, it's been him and Zaka kind of switching off, but I think he's done a great job on Barkov. The goal he scored was an example of Charlie Coyle at his best. He's at the net front. I mean, Barkov, like I, I covered this guy when I worked in Florida and he wasn't nearly as big as he is now. He is a big man. He is just a wide, tall guy um, and that can move well. And to see Coyle, you know, get around him, find a way to free his stick and for that tip that he scored, um, that was really impressive stuff. And Coyle's, you know, the the strengths of his game are the puck protection and, you know, freeing up, you know, other guys, letting them get open and finding, you know, maybe making the secondary play, not the primary play, um, you know, on a goal. But I don't know if he's got that high-end skill to really, you know, be on a line with a posture knock all year. I don't necessarily see that. But, you know, if they use him as a number two guy, can he hold down that role? I think it's it's fascinating to find out, or at least it will be if that's the route that they go. Yeah, I mean, I I know I'm, again, getting ahead of myself here, but I think if Bergeron goes, if Krejci goes, and it looked like that could have happened last year, then – there's trouble in Mudville, right? I mean, I mean, Zaka, Zaka has been a revelation to me. I started the year thinking, oh my God, this was a, a European playing European style hockey, kind of cute and a little bit of talent you could see. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's developed in all kinds of ways and, and become a viable candidate to be a second line center right now. And that's my assessment of him. Is yeah. that fair? I think so. Yeah. You want to see the faceoffs continue to improve. They've gotten better over this postseason, but not, not so great. And part of that's just playing on the wing and not having the reps, but um, you know, I think they, I think they were smart to sign Zaka, the the number that they did, I think 4.75 for that player is going to look really good um, in the next few years. He's only 26 and people forget that he's, he's still a young guy. Um, you know, Charlie Coyle's 31 and they have him for, another couple of years or at least uh, three more years here at 5.25 million. So is that good value for a third line center with the cap going up maybe, but, but you'd probably like to see another level to his game. And he did have a pretty good year. Um, You know, I I think overall he's playing to the level that he showed when he first got here in 2019 in that playoff run where he was with Danton Heinen and Marcus Johansson, they really found something there. Um, But I have my questions going forward. Yeah. About where he slots in the lineup. And, um, you know, I think if you can continue to get 50 point seasons out of Charlie Coyle, uh, then, then I think that's what you're, you know, that's what you absolutely have to have as a baseline, but he was only at 45 points this year. So you're not quite there. We, we talked a, l- a little bit about Bertuzzi and I, I'm <laughs> the, the sky is the limit for this guy as a free agent. Right. I mean, there's no, I mean, I don't know how they can keep him, but I mean, did you see him playing this well? I mean, I, I saw him in Detroit. He was a visible player. Um, he's, you know, I, I called him Pigpen. You know, he's got no tape on his stick. His hair's all over the place. He looks like he just kind of got out of bed and goes out and becomes an irritating but skillful son of a gun. I mean, he. Yeah. I'm enjoying watching him play, but I'm afraid it's going to be like Orlov short term. Yeah, I could see it, you know, it, and – I didn't know coming in that he had that he had been a playoff guy at every level except for the NHL and no through no fault of his own Detroit just wasn't in that that place 
um, when he finally, you know, got the call to come up, but he was the MVP of the AHL playoffs. He was, um, I don't know if he was the MVP of the Memorial cup, but he won a Memorial cup and was, you know, was the, the guy, uh, for his team up in Guelph, uh, way back when, um, he's, he's a funny player. Like he's, the game is pretty simple for him. Like it's just put the puck in the right area and then get to the net, you know, and that's basically his thing. He's always around it. That's why he's missing a tooth. Um, but he's, if <laughs> the pig pen thing is funny, it's, that's been the Bruins read on him. Um, as I report this feature that I'm working on the profile story, it's like, you know, there, there are all these stories of how he's, you know, just shows up like, like you said, looking like you rolled out of bed. There was a funny story. Uh, he is with, he, he lives on the, or lived on the same lake in uh, Sudbury, Ontario as Nick Felino. And so he'd go visit him on his jet ski and you can picture Tyler Bertuzzi. He's got a fishing rod in one hand, hat backwards, sunglasses, no shirt, tattoos everywhere. And Felino was telling me that his kids were out on the dock seeing this guy get closer and closer and closer. And they went, dad <laughs> he was coming to do some damage but uh, that's funny um he's a, i can see that happening but he is he's he's been you know it's been an accumulation of an embarrassment of riches by don sweeney it's a, it's ironic that neely and sweeney were you know sort of damocles was hanging over their head to start the season and all of a sudden when you think back upon it Lindholm at the end of the last year didn't get to finish the playoffs, so he didn't get his full read. Zaka comes in, chronic underachiever, really, in New Jersey for, uh, what was he, sixth overall, fifth, sixth yeah. overall. He picks him up, and and then then all of a sudden, this he does a magic trick at the trading deadline day with, with uh, Orlov and Hathaway, and Bertuzzi was kind of like, where the hell did that come from? I mean, the, I mean, he, he's done a remarkable job for the organization, and they're not only good for now, but going forward. But I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how he manages the cap going forward, but um, certainly the moves that he's made in the last twelve months have been as better than any general manager in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and, you know, banners fly forever, obviously. That's that's the that's the move here is to just, you know, get as much as you can. I'd love to know if you could give them truth serum. Were they looking at the Taylor Hall injury and saying that's a chance for us to get Tyler Bertuzzi or were they reacting, you know, because Hall had to go on long term injury reserve to free up that spot and Felino was in the same boat. You know, were they looking at that as an opportunity or was it reacting to the injury and saying, let's go out and get Bertuzzi? Um, either way, I mean, to have a Tyler Bertuzzi come in uh, almost as an afterthought, considering the the Orlov and, and Hathaway move was, you know, was such a splash move as well. Um, it, it, there's just so much uncertainty going forward. It, it puts so much more importance and intrigue on this playoff run. Can they do it? You know, is it a last dance situation for this team? But at the same time, you know, you do have Pasternak locked up. I mean, that was another great piece of business by by Don Sweeney he scored 61 goals he's not even the highest paid winger in, in the game you know that's our Temi Panarin technically um and Mitch Marner I think makes a little more than him too so it, it's it, that that to me I mean that was huge you got a guy like that to say I want to be part of the solution I want to be you know one of the next leaders of this team Lindholm McAvoy locked up for for just as long uh Marshan's still going to be here Hall Coyle DeBrusque is here Zaka's here 
On defense, you got basically the whole D coming back except for Orloff and Connor Clifton, who I think is going to get a nice chunk of change somewhere else. Um, maybe they, maybe he stays around, but I mean, he's only making a million right now. So it's just oh, poor uh, bastard, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure the. I'm sure the I Mike Middleton era Bruins would have loved that. that. I, I, my, uh, my, all my years, I'd made just over a million, and that's thirteen of them. So yeah. and now, <laughs> minimum salary is is mind-boggling. But listen, uh, you talked about Felino waiting for Bertuzzi. Is he going to be if everybody's healthy and Krejci's in the lineup? Is he still in the lineup? Felino? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know. I would say based on I, – I actually asked Montgomery this the other day. Like, is he going to need a game off? Because he, you know, had gone through uh, a number of weeks on the shelf. I think it was seven weeks, six or seven weeks on the shelf with a knee injury. And then he comes back into the playoffs. He plays eight minutes, then 10 minutes, then 12 minutes. You know, I asked Montgomery, is he ramping up or is he going to need a, a blow here? And I, th- what he said is that, no, he sees his game, you know, continuing to improve. Um he's making plays. I mean, he's playing his game. He's good for two or three good bursts up the ice with his legs and uh, a bunch of kind of little, you know, quick plays where he just kind of spins off a guy and, you know, finds the open man. He's really good at that stuff. Got good hands around the net. He had a, a finish on a great pass from hall where he just, you know, quick move in front of the net. Um, so I don't know. I mean, right now, uh, Trent Frederick would maybe be the extra, but you know, Frederick said he's ouch. had a great year. Yeah. Um, you know, Lauco, you know, you know, you take him out probably. Um, if, if, both... I mean, he's been effective too, hasn't he? He's got good speed. He gets in there. He's uh, unafraid. He's, uh, eight, I, eight I to guess... 10 minutes a night. Yeah. Eight to 10 minutes a night. You can get by with Jacob Lauco. You know, he's going to give you everything he has. Um, a little bit of skill there as well. I, I think it goes back to the Krejci thing. You know, maybe Krejci is a guy that you, you think about using, only if absolutely necessary you're only if you're convinced that his legs are there um and he's going to be able to be the same david Krejci that he was before but then it's the question of does he have the reps to get to the to that game is he you know how rusty is he going to be at his age so it's a definitely definitely interesting yeah and um one guy we hadn't mentioned but who's been just the perfect puzzle fit for me is notion mm-hmm. i mean he just comes in and i mean he, Listen, he's going to have to pick it up and throw it in the net to score a goal. But other than that, he's the guy is he's a pit bull. I mean, he's there in everybody's face. He's tough on draws. He's good on the penalty kill and never a problem. Right. This is a I mean, talk about fitting into the equation. He's done it magnificently. Yeah. Very forward like in that way. Low maintenance, you know, bottom bottom, you know, line or bottom pair guy kills penalties, you know, if your center wins draws, um, effective, moves the puck, always in the right place, um, a great fit. And, you know, he's a guy that I, I wouldn't expect that he's around here next year. He's another expiring contract. But with with his inability to finish, do you remind you of anybody that, that you played with? <laughs> remind me of myself. <laughs> <laughs> you never I mean, won 50 games without a goal, did you? <laughs> oh, man, I won a whole season without a goal once. But <laughs> I also had a 10-goal year, but – that's another story. Um, yeah. Listen, they dropped the puck tonight at the good time, seven o'clock, as I get to bed early now. Um, they, um, what do we expect? We haven't seen Barkov the way he's supposed to play, right? Ekblad's back in the lineup. We think Bobrovsky. Can they summon Florida? Can they summon 
the will to get it done? And what does the local team need to do to squash that will? I see the will there. I just, I just don't see the skill or the depth there. I, I just think that the Bruins are going to do what they do. They'll weather a storm early. They know they're going to get Florida's best right off the hop. Obviously, um, they're gonna, they're gonna continue to do what they do, which is move the puck, be, be smart with it. Uh, they're gonna get probably some big saves from Olmark, and then just find their matchup and make their play. And that's what they've been doing, whether it's on the power play or at even strength. They just find a way to get that first goal. Um, you know, really game two was such an outlier in, in that way, giving up, you know, the, the four goal, the four goals in the third period, they've been so good at the end of game. So I, I would expect them to close it out knowing how important it is to get that rest tonight, um, you know, and watch Tampa and Toronto, hopefully go seven and, uh, you know, check them out and then scout them as best you can. Yeah. That brings me to just a couple more minutes of the rest of the league. Cause it's been as usual, great watching stuff for the hockey fan. I mean, has Toronto leaped forward? Boy, I mean, if I don't know how much that's in their head, the idea of it was 4-1. You know, that's that's the thing they're often told. It was 4-1 in 2013. You know, none of those guys are around still. You know, that shouldn't matter. But, you know, this team has lost. I mean, there was a stat. I wish I I had the, the... full stat but a, a stat on the on the screen of uh, uh toronto when they have a series lead is something like one in 17 like it's like since 2002 like just a ridiculous number um a ridiculous amount of losing when they have a, a lead in a series um in the playoffs and obviously they haven't won in the first round since 04 so it, it's to say that they've turned the corner i'm not there yet <laughs> i gotta see them get out of this round first but, you know, certainly coming back and, and beating Tampa, even though Tampa does look gassed, I mean, especially Vasilevsky. And yeah. They play a lot of playoff hockey. Uh, well, they, 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 some of the goals have been absolute snipes. I mean, they're so gifted offensively. So I, 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 I don't put it all on Vasilevsky. But no. they, I think the window, I, I, I said this earlier in the season, I think the Tampa Bay window is, is closed. I mean, they're still a good team. They're still formidable. You can't give them uh, too much, but it just – they played so much hockey in the last three years. They've had to go through so many changes. They really mm-hmm. miss Ryan McDonough. They mm-hmm. miss – you know, they've had to jettison really good players like all successful teams do because the cap is a real issue. But I don't see them – even if they get past Toronto, which I don't think they will, I don't see them being a threat to being a champion anymore. No, I agree. Fair? I think it is, yeah. And just based on what you mentioned, it's it's the it's the fatigue from the top guys, and it's the fact that they're just not the same team in the in the middle anymore. You know, with those you know the great second lines and third lines, and you know middle pair D. I mean, it's just it's just not there for them. But it'd be interesting to see the Leafs. I mean, this could be you know this could be a year where they ride that momentum, and as long as Samsonov holds up, you know you, you got to like their chances because they got a lot of really good players. I, I think it's been a fascinating East so far. I mean, you know, the West games, you know, I'm trying to. Well, I'm don't to... get past the East first. I want you to see what happened to the New York Rangers. The two games they win in, in New Jersey. It looks like New Jersey, who I think is a great young team with speed and skill, but still, I just didn't think they were ready to make the next step. And, and, and they go to New York down to, and they 
dominate, really, basically, didn't they? they I mean, they, they outplayed for sure the Rangers in both games. Yeah, they did. And it's, you know, and it's not, I mean, there's so many, I'm sure sometimes it can almost feel like a home game, no matter where you are in that series with given the amount of fans, but you know, it's, it's for guys like Dougie Hamilton and, and Jack Hughes making huge plays in, in that, um, in, in that, in that game three, you know, where, where Dougie gets the overtime goal. I mean, a guy that, you know, you're just waiting to, to see it from him, you know, that big time moment where he kind of realizes that talent and, you know, that was that was probably yeah, well, we've been waiting for it for a long time, Matt. And I know I can't re- root for anybody that calls themselves Dougie at 30 years of age. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but they 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 pulled it together. And the two superstars that the Rangers acquired for this point of the year, well, not doing the trick right yet, is it? No, no. And, and it's I. I picked the Rangers, you know, coming into this series. I thought that Shesterkin was was kind of the X factor for them. He's going to be the best goalie in the series, certainly. But they, the Devils, might have found something with Akira Schmid. I mean, he's a, a total unknown, at least on this stage in the playoffs. And he's been fantastic in the last couple of games that he's played. So if he can match Shesterkin, you know, save for save, then that's a that's a pretty big uh, check mark in New Jersey's favor. I would say he he kind of reminds me of Olmark in terms of demeanor. This guy, I mean, he just, he's just in the way. He just does what goalies are supposed to do and stops the puck. But when they stop it with his kind of efficiency over the last couple of games, it's been, uh, I mean, he's, it's, we all know goalies in the playoffs are critically important. This guy has has proven to be good tonic for what was a pretty good goaltender, Vanacek, during the regular season. But let me take out West for a second. It's been so much fun to watch Los Angeles and Edmonton. I mean, it's like a different style. It's a different, it's a classic Western Conference playoff matchup. Um, and we all know that McDavid's the best player in the game. Can we stop the argument now and name Leon Dreisaitl the second best player in the game? He's been, well, he's been yeah, he's been fantastic. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of hatred built up from last year as well. Um, but last year, you know, the, the, the first round series between these two teams where I gained a new appreciation for Leon Dreisaitl because he's playing on basically one leg and, you know, he wasn't moving at all, but you'd see him in the neutral zone, he'd get the puck and he'd maybe take one step, but then he'd dish it across, you know, to somebody who wasn't open a second before and just incredibly impressive. Um, you know, can't, can't believe that he gets, you know, that he doesn't get as much he should get so much more shine obviously but when you play with mcdavid you know at, at the height of his powers i i have to be like you i mean i'm thinking if the bruins are going to get to the final boy it'd be i don't want to travel to edmonton but when you, <laughs> when you think about mcdavid peak of his powers all the history there 88 and 90 that would be a fun way to a fun way to close out the hockey season yeah i mean and, and colorado's having their problems but uh you know, I feel I actually feel bad for Los Angeles because, you know, there's not much that separates them. I think they actually might be no. the better team if you took out they took out McDavid and Dreisaitl, but that's kind of asking a lot from their perspective. But they played hard, they played well. They're, you know, I, I it's but it's been a fun fun series to watch. A goaltending issue as well, I think, with LA right now, and and it's it's how often do you see a team start with two veteran goalies. And then end the season with two other veteran goalies. You know that's that's a little bit surprising. Maybe we shouldn't call Phoenix Copley a veteran, but he's old enough. 
Um, you know, and they're, they're trying to find it right now. It'd be a shame to see if goal te- you know, to see goaltending sink that team, because I think they really bring a lot to the table. I love the balance that they have. You know, they got the old vets and Dowdy and Kopitar and, and, you know, guys like Philip Deneau playing their roles and playing them well, young players uh, as well. Annoying guys like Victor Arvidsson who buzz around on the four check. Uh, they're a lot of fun to watch, but um, I just, I just don't see anybody taking down peak McDavid right now, at least until another couple of rounds. So you're saying it's Boston versus Edmonton and the Fines. I don't want to wish that because, again, I don't want to have to go to Edmonton on a connecting flight. <laughs> I'd so much rather go to Dallas or, or You mean Denver. Neely won't let you on the charter? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Boy, that was nice. The only, the only time I flew on a charter plane with the Bruins was when they went to China uh, a few years ago. What an experience that was. But it's – it's. I mean, Dallas right now looks pretty good. I think Minnesota is kind of reeling a little bit. Um you know, you, you look at what Vegas, you know, was able to do. I, I'm assuming they're going to close out Winnipeg. I didn't really think much of, of Winnipeg's chances going in here. But, um, but boy, that Colorado-Seattle series is is pretty amazing. And especially when you talk about guys like McDavid taking over to see what Nathan McKinnon uh, is able to do. Boy, that's pretty special. And they're going to yeah. need without They're going to need him, but they're, they're banged up now. And they're missing McCart tonight due to suspension. But we still can't count them out at this point but they need some some guys to get back to the healthy portion of the roster and we'll see what happens but I I think you're right I even though I I don't wish you travel to Edmonton um I think it's going to be Edmonton and I I'm I'm not looking at I mean the, the biggest danger for me um might be the Devils or Toronto uh because the devils are so fast and they're outletting pucks like the bruins do and if this kid continues to play goal like he does i'm still not sold on the goaltending in toronto but uh and and the defense as well i think they could they could collapse but boy don't let them on the power play because they'll kill you yeah well listen matt it's been great for you to take the time and uh, lots of it and i I'll, i'll be curious to see if it's bergeron I'll be curious to see if it's Bobrovsky. And I'm thinking it's going to be closeout night for the Bruins, and I hope so because they're going to need the rest. They're going to get some guys healthier. And as you know, it's a long slog in April and May to get to the promised land. So let's hope they do it. But thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Okay, Mike. Take care, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right.